The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and as always, I am joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime today, Nate Green. And Nate, guess what this week is? Opening week. Opening week, baby. Let's go. We have waited way too freaking long for opening week to happen, and there's still a lot to be figured out, to be honest, when it comes to opening day. And First, before we get going, Nate, I have a question for you. Kind of a fun question, interesting question here for you. So, for a 10-year span, would you rather hit 350 with 10 home runs a year or hit 200 with 50 bombs a year? Well, Jared, if uh, if I have 50 bombs a year, I'm a Hall of Famer, so I'll take the Hall of Fame numbers, uh, especially since 500 homers get you into the Hall of Fame right now. So, I'll take that instead of the uh, 300 average. Well, no, I said 350. So if you're hitting 350 for 10 straight years, you're probably a Hall of Famer as well. It depends on ABs and stuff. Yes, 100%. But I think you're getting pretty dang close to 3,000 hits. So I guess then again, at the end of the day, my question is, would you rather have 3,000 hits with a good batting average and probably a pretty good on-base percentage as well, or would you rather have a really bad batting average with 500 home runs and also i don't think 500 home runs get you in the hall of fame if you're batting 200 that's true if, if it is three if you, if i do have 3,000 career hits then yeah i'd take that over the home runs 100 percent 
I just figured Hall of Famer, you might get in with 350. I don't know. It depends on how many hits you have. But, um, yeah, if if I have 3,000 career hits, I'll take that over the home runs any day. Now let's flip the question around a little bit. For a single season, what would you rather have? Oh, single season. I'll take the bombs because we're scoring runs with my at-bats. Yeah, it's either a strikeout or a bomb, but at least we're going to score runs. We're not guaranteed to score runs with my 350 average. That's fair. I mean, it's basically asking Adam Dunn or Derek Jeter. Ichiro, maybe? Ichiro, I guess. Ichiro works. Adam Dunn or Ichiro. Kind of, yeah. a, kind of interesting, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Adam Dunn in his prime was really fun. Like, Adam yeah. Dunn Adam Dunn's a borderline Hall of Famer. It, it's close. I mean, the, the average and the strikeouts make it not as close, but... I mean, the home runs and the RBIs and just being able to do that year in and year out was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting question to get the brain working for us here. I, I, it's, a tough, it's a tough one, though. Because, I mean, if you're in college, I take the bombs because bombs get you drafted. And I think that bombs probably – I don't know. Do bombs get you paid or does the batting average get you paid? Chicks dig the long ball. Uh, home runs probably get you paid, but if you're hitting 200 – you're probably not getting paid as much. I don't know. I guess that's like if David Fletcher would hit 350 this year, and if uh, I guess Dunn did get paid pretty good. So I don't know. Home runs probably get you paid. I'm with you on that. So I don't know. Interesting question to get the day rolling for us, opening week rolling for us. So guys, as always, really fun show planned for you guys. Really fun week planned for you guys. Is we're gonna have podcasts come out every day leading up to. Opening day, we're going to have a lot of fun guests. I'm already working on all of that, getting that going. And it's just going to be a fun week for, of, of Angels baseball talk, and I'm, I'm excited to share it with you guys. So if you like what we have going on here, please subscribe wherever you are listening. And also leave us a review, whether it's good or bad. We appreciate it either way. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You just have to look up Talking Halos. It's pretty simple. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can follow myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims, Brock at BDROX8, Nate at NateGreen34, John at Jegs, Crane, John, and Derek at DC Apollo. The reason why I'm saying that is because I'm trying to get everybody going this week and see if we can have everybody on the show. It'll be a lot of fun. I don't know if it's going to work out or not, but we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll see how it goes here, guys. And as always, if you have any questions, topic ideas, or just want to stop in and say hi, 
shoot us a message on any of our social medias, or you can email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com. Just stop in, say hi, leave a gift. Love it. Love talking with everybody. So, And as always, give us one minute to pay the bills. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. All right, enough with all the introductions. Let's get this show rolling and talk some Angels baseball. And we have quite a lot of news, a little bit of news to catch up on, but a lot of news breaking this weekend, and we'll get to the pitching side of things. But let's start with the bench spots because those have basically been solidified with Juan Lagares is going to probably more than likely be the Angels' fourth outfielder this year. And then the hometown, the Anaheim native, Jose Rojas, is going to make the team. He's already been informed he's going to make the team as well. So, Nate, let's start with Juan Lagares. And how do we feel about that? Are we okay with it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Juan Lagares has been known for his defense, and I know he's not 100% up to his, his defense that he was the uh, when he came up, but he's still a very good defender. He showed that he can hit, and uh, if you look traditionally, he does hit lefties better than he does righties, so could be a, a situation where if Fowler struggles against the lefties, Ligaris could play some right field against the lefties, and yeah, he, he can play all three outfield spots, which is something you're really looking for in a fourth outfielder, and he's someone who can come off the bench and, and even help Upton out defensively if Upton is not up to par defensively early too. So I think it's a great move. He, he really showed that he deserves to be on this team uh, in spring training. Yeah, he hit really well in spring as well. I know he's never really been known for the bat, more on the defensive side of things when he played with the Mets. But, you know, altogether a solid pickup. There is some depth as well that the Angels kept in the minors with John Jay, who I believe they re-signed after releasing him. And then also Scott Shebler, who... Initially, everybody thought was going to be the Angels' fourth outfielder, maybe even start before Fowler came. But, yeah, I, I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm okay with it. It works. It's a fourth outfielder, and it's a defensive replacement of replacement late in games for Justin Upton and, I mean, heck, maybe even Dexter Fowler at times. So I'm cool with it. We're, we're good there. So let's move on to the big story, the probably the biggest story, actually, one of the biggest stories this spring, and that is... Jose Rojas coming out of nowhere and making the opening day opening day roster for the Angels. I know that, honestly, this is kind of, I know that we've been saying that Rojas isn't really a Joe Madden type of guy, but when you look at it, it's kind of a Joe Madden type of story type of guy. You know, like, just kind of came out of nowhere in a sense. He was a 39th round pick out of Vanguard University, went to Fullerton Junior College, went to Anaheim High School, so... I know you played with him at Fullerton. Nate, what do we say about this? Yeah, well, first off, I would just love to say uh, congratulations to my former teammate, uh, Cookie. Um, we called him Cookie Rojas, didn't even call him Jose Rojas. But, um, yeah, really, really excited for him. Just a, a really cool opportunity for him to, to really grind his way through the minors, actually hit everywhere he's been, and uh, make his way to the big leagues. So I, I'm really excited for him. Yeah, really good, really great story. For me, it was always, I saw him in the minors quite a bit, and the question that was always asked was, where is he going to play defensively? Because I know at Fullerton, and even at Vanguard, he was a shortstop, and that you know, probably isn't going to be the case here. I don't think he's quite athletic enough to do it. 
The Angels have Rendon at third base, who's going to take out the majority of the time. I don't think that Rojas is really a third baseman either. Second base, maybe, but there's Fletcher there. First base, there's Pujols and Walsh. And when you look at it in the outfield, I guess you can possibly say that he can he can play in the outfield. But you know, that, for me, is the biggest question when it comes to Jose Rojas is where do you find a spot for him defensively? And and when you look at a you know a fourth outfielder, fifth outfield type of guy, or a, or a fifth infielder, you know you want him to play decently good defense. And I know he's a left-handed bat with some power at 31 home runs in 2019, Salt Lake City, whatever you want to take from that, but. You know, I, I, I think for me, I would prefer a little bit better defensively. But nonetheless, I am extremely excited, extremely happy for him. Great guy in general. I've heard so many great stories about him because I myself, we played against him at Hope International. I didn't play against him, but Hope International did. I've heard great stories about how crazy good of a hitter he was there. And I've heard great stories from you at Fullerton JC. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add in with the Rojas news. Yeah, just uh, the only weird thing about it is, uh, yes, like you mentioned, left-handed bat, and the guys that he would kind of maybe hit for, uh, I mean, Walsh is the first one that comes to mind, and he's a left-handed bat as well. So, I don't know, that's going to be the the weird and interesting thing to see how Joe uses him. Is he going to be a DH when Otani pitches, uh, and maybe they're facing a tough righty? I don't know, but um, that's going to be the biggest thing for me to, to kind of watch going forward is where are they going to use him yeah super excited like I said I, I can't I can't be more excited I I love when the SoCal natives make the team uh, especially with the story that Rojas has had being in the minors for so long and actually even being able to watch him in the minors I covered him in the minors for the longest time so it's great great story great news I'm more more than ha- I'm so happy for him I, I really am it's it's great news, but Nate, let's get on to, I guess, a little bit more important news at the moment. Not saying that Rojas wasn't, but the bullpen. The Angels sent down, they optioned Ty Butchery, which was a huge surprise when that news came out, I think, for a lot of us. Though, I guess when you look at how he's been the past year and a half, even leading into spring training, it makes some sense. You know, it does make a little bit of sense. What do we, what do we have to take away from this? Because I'm still kind of... A little puzzled, in a sense, that they sent down Ty Butchery, but at the same time, there are going to be some moves that are going to be made, a move that has already been made. Uh, as we record this on Sunday afternoon, I'm sure there's going to be a couple more moves from what everybody's hearing, but let's, let's, what do we, what do we make of, of the Ty Butchery option? Um, it's confusing. It, it really is. I know he has, he has struggled a little bit in some high leverage situations, but, um, we were hoping that we had deepened the bullpen enough where he wasn't going to have to be in high leverage situations, and he could kind of be like a Cam Bedrosian where started high leverage, worked his way to uh, some some earlier opportunities and had success. I think Cam did a really good job with that last year. <clears throat> so I, that was kind of what I had envisioned for him was kind of taking over Cam Bedrosian's role. And um, to see him get sent down after being up for two years, it, it's a real head-scratcher. He's going to lose a lot of trade value if uh, you don't have plans for him in the future to be on the Angels. Um, and I don't know if AAA is the best place to really work on your on your stuff uh, if you're in the Angels organization. I think you and I talk about this off the record a lot where um, AAA is really a hitter's ballpark and it's really hard to – 
pitch down there if you are continually getting hit a lot and you're like, man, I, I feel like my mechanics are good. I feel like I'm executing. But, uh, you know, this guy hit a broken bat home run the other day because the ball just flies out there. I don't know. So that's going to be the concerning part for me is where is his head going to be? Is he ever going to be able to be back where he was his rookie year? Yeah, yeah, that's I, I mean, we mentioned it. You mentioned it exactly there. It's it's tough to send somebody to AAA where we know the ball's going to fly. But at the same time, you know, if he can I when you think about it also, though these first it's more extended spring training right now because the season in AAA doesn't start for another month or so. So, I'm, you know, I'm I'm okay with leaving him in Arizona. He'll probably get, you know, some bullpen time in Anaheim as well, being the Arizona Anaheim's only a 45-minute flight or a six-hour drive, however you want to look at it. But, you know, it, it, it definitely came to a surprise. And right after the option happened, the Angels, some some words came out about the Angels signing Noe Ramirez. That's for sure going to happen. And at the moment, as we're recording this, we don't know if it's a major league or minor league deal. That's going to be the, the biggest part of this whole thing. And... Do, what do you hope here, Nate? Do you hope it's a major league or minor league deal? Because Noe's been a, a decently good pitcher for the Angels for the past couple of years, but we all he, he was always the guy for me that I was looking at the Angels' bullpen and was like, well, I would rather get Noe out of there, and then he always surprised me. So what do you think? What, what do we got on the on the Noe Ramirez news, Nate? I'm hoping it's a minor league deal. Um, it's, I mean, we traded him for Iglesias, which kind of, made it seem like Perry didn't have him in the plans. So um, if he's not in the plans, there's no reason to just kind of throw him in the big leagues and just say, oh, I hope he does well. He struggled this spring in Cincinnati. Um, so that's going to be that's gonna be a tough one to, to really convince Angel fans that he deserves to be in the big leagues. The way he's thrown after trading him, and then you're going to bring him back and you sent down Ty Buttry for him, that could be like the uh, – the piece that people, that Angel fans really remember is like, oh, we could have had Ty Buttrey. Uh And I'm sure they'll really remember his rookie year. So that's going to be tough. Yeah, it will be. But at the same time, Noe has had experience pitching in Anaheim. He's had good experience pitching in Anaheim. He pitched to a 3.08 I think or 3.0 ERA last year in the 21 games that he pitched. So there is that. I know that ERA isn't everything, but we do have to take that into into our thought process as well. So let's look at the Angels' possible bullpen as it stands right now on Sunday. I know this podcast is going to come out on Monday, but I don't think too much is going to change in between then, though a lot could change, honestly. So at the moment, it looks like it's going to be Rysel Iglesias, Mike Myers, Junior Guerra, Alex Claudio is going to be the, the final piece at the moment. Those four guys, I believe, are for sure going to be on the team. You can also, it depends on which way they go, because at the moment they have four open spots. They really do, which is kind of kind of interesting. And you can pick from Berea, Rodriguez, Sandoval, Sleggers, and now Noe Ramirez into that in that mix as well. And I'm sure they're going to end up picking up another, possibly another two or, maybe two or three guys that want to add before it's all said and done. So, Nate, what direction do we think they go with those last four spots? Um, I think Chris Rodriguez being here this long and this late in the, in the spring, I think he uh, might make the team. I think 
with Jaime Berea getting those two year the the option year back, I think that's significant. But I still think he's got to make the team as well. Um, and then I think Sluggers, you got to see him throw on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday it was. So I think he's going to make the team as well. So that those would be the three guys, and then. Uh, that four spot could be any number of guys. I mean, we can go outside the organization. We can stick with Noe. We could stick with Sandoval and Berea. It's that four spot's going to be who knows. I mean, we've already been surprised with a buttery move. They could do something that surprises us again. So, yep, I am. I'm all for it. I think Rodriguez has for sure made the team. I think you have to flip a coin between Sandoval and Berea at the moment, and I'm okay with either one of them. Though I love. Patrick Sandoval in the bullpen. I think you just let him go out there and just throw gas for two innings or an inning and see what that happens, see what that makes out of it. I think it could be like a Josh Hader type of guy, though that's a horrible comparison because Josh Hader is one of the best pitchers in baseball. But I mean, they, they, it's very similar. It is when you look at it that those two are fairly similar. So, I, and you also have to look outside the organization with anybody who has played with Joe Madden. I think that's the route that you'll see here from now on out. Um, until opening day, if the Angels are going to go sign somebody, it's going to be a Joe Madden guy. And there have been quite a few of them. I think, what do we have? Carl Edwards Jr. Was it Hector Rendon who pitched with the Cubs? And then, yeah. yeah and, and Steve Shishek also. So I, I think I think you could probably flip a coin, and, and I think the Angels more than likely take maybe one, maybe two of those guys who we just mentioned right there and see if, see if they can find a spot in the bullpen for them. So I think I would – Looking at it now, thinking about it now, if the Angels got two of those guys, my bullpen fears are kind of simmered down a little bit because I think when you put Rodriguez in the mix, and I think if you were to put Sandoval in the mix and you put in two of those guys, I I think that I'd be okay for the time being. We'd have to see how it develops because bullpens are volatile. But I think I, I feel a little bit more assured if they get two of those guys. Right, Nate? Yeah, as long as they actually put them in the big league big league bullpen as well. I mean, they could sign two of them and put them in the minor leagues, and then we're still in the same situation we're in now. Yep, so last thing before we get on to our next topic, the Angels do have to, I believe, DFA at least one, maybe two players. Which direction do we think they go with that? Um, my The first guy that comes to mind is Luke Bard. Uh, I don't see him pitching in the big leagues I see he's also a little older I think he's age 30 so it's a little easier to get that guy through waivers if you really want to keep him in the minor leagues so I think that's going to be a guy that they DFA um possibly Jack Mayfield just because he's been DFA twice this offseason so it would make sense to try and sneak him through a third time um those are the two that really come to mind though yeah, and I'd also have to throw in Jose Quijada into the mix, too. I know probably these DFAs won't happen until – well, it depends on depends on what Noe's contract is. If it's a major league deal, they're going to have to – oh, actually, they technically don't yet because they they're at 39. So they wouldn't have to DFA anybody yet. But it'll probably hap- – it's going to happen before Thursday, I'd guess. Wednesday at the latest is when it would happen, and – you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I think it's going to be between those three guys that we mentioned. And I'd be surprised if it was anybody else. But then again, they just optioned Ty Buttry down. So I, I, I find it hard to believe that they let him go. But, I mean, I guess you never know, right? 
Kyle Keller would be one other guy. Kyle Keller, yep, Kyle Keller's another guy. I think you got to pick between the four that we just mentioned, not Ty Butchery, but I think you got to pick between the four of them. So, guys, on to our next topic here, and that would be where are we going to bat Mike Trout? A lot of controversy on that on that behalf, and we can take out the four four through nine spot because I don't think the Trout should ever hit the, any of those spots and will ever hit in any of those spots. But one, two, and three. Nate, where would you bat Mike Trout? With Rendon on the team, I have no problem hitting him second. If there was no Rendon, I would probably hit him third. But because you're going to have that much protection, I think it makes sense to hit him second, let Rendon hit third, and um, kind of deepen that lineup up. But um, it sounds like Joe's going to hit him third. Yeah, and again, I'm not against this because there are pros and cons to every spot in in the lineup, and a lot of the times we think about just that first time through the order, but would you not agree that you want the best hitter in baseball to get as many opportunities to bat as possible? Yep. So why not, and this is just an idea that I've been thinking of for the past couple years, why not let Mike Trout lead off for you? Why not? I, I mean, give me one second. I'm, I'm still going to go here a little bit. Let him get as many at bats as humanly possible. Put Rendon behind him. Put or put Shohei behind him, and then put Rendon in the three hole, and just let those three absolutely have at it. You'll let Otani still get as many um, as many fastballs as possible. You'll let Rendon continue to do his thing, and then. You let Trout get as many at-bats as possible. You continue to roll over the lineup. I mean, you could even put David Fletcher in the nine hole, and I think that's a perfect spot for him too in this, and let him get on base and be scrappy in front of Trout because then David Fletcher has to get more fastballs in that nine hole. You really have to, and it, it, it's, it's gonna be, it would be kind of fun to see Trout lead off for the Angels and just, just let him get as many at-bats as possible, as many plays appearances as possible because – the difference between batting leadoff and in the second hole and the two hole is about 20 plate appearances, maybe 30 plate appearances a year. The difference between batting in the two hole and the three hole is, again, between 20 and 30 plate appearances a year. So the fact that you're going to put Trout in the three hole instead of the two hole or even the even batting leadoff is is super interesting. So, I mean, I'm I I think you got to at least think about leading him off and getting him an extra 60 plate appearances a year because that's getting on base. I mean, he gets on base 40 point or 42, 43% of the time. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a lot more. Imagine Otani getting that many more plate appearances with a runner on base or Rendon getting that many more plate appearances with a runner on base. And I mean, yes, you, the first at bat of the game, Trout probably gets walked 50% of the time. And I'm okay with that, right? Yeah, I mean, it would definitely jumpstart the offense early. The uh, The biggest thing that I can think of is um, you want Mike Trout up with as many RBI opportunities as possible. He's the guy that uh, we want up there um, with guys on base. And hitting him leadoff, you're probably not going to get as many opportunities to do that. Well, now, counterpoint to that, Mike Trout strikes out quite a bit. And not a lot, but he does strike out quite a bit. So why don't why wouldn't you put a guy that doesn't strike out that much in that RBI spot to put runners on? Like you put Albert Pujols in that spot, and I know that we 
you're looking at you're probably looking at me right now and saying, Jared, what the hell are you talking about? But Albert Pujols makes contact better than most players in baseball. I think he's got maybe a 10% strikeout rate, maybe a little bit higher now that he's getting a little bit older. But I mean, why why wouldn't you just go ahead and let Albert Pujols hit in that hit in that spot with all the RBIs and just let him gather the RBIs? Dude, he could probably get 120 RBIs. I know that this is coming from an analytics person too right here. RBIs don't mean much because it's person people getting in front of you. But I mean, if it was me, I I you know Trout Rendon or Trout Otani Rendon at the beginning of the lineup. You put Walsh in the mix if he's if he's there as well. And then behind those guys, you find some guys that aren't going to strike out very much. I, I and in Jose Iglesias in a sense, Albert Pujols isn't going to strike out very much. I don't think Iglesias strikes out very much. I'd have to double check that because I actually have no idea. I'm just going off what I what I think, and I think that's why Simmons was you know, such a hot commodity for the Angels because he didn't strike out very much. He didn't strike out at all. He you knew he was going to put the ball in play, and you can put him behind Trout and Rendon and guys that are going to get on base, and he's just going to hit him in for you all the time. So I know that lineups don't mean much in the analytical world, but I think when you have some of the best hitters in baseball, you got to try to get them as many plate appearances as possible and just hope and, you know, think that the rest of the lineup is going to do what they can do. Justin Uppins looked good this spring. Jared Walsh is coming off a great year. We're going to have to see what he does. You throw David Fletcher in the nine hole to kind of be that second leadoff guy in a sense. And, I mean, just a thought. I think it could be a lot of fun. This is going to sound really stupid, but um, honestly, I'd rather Mike Trout strike out with with bases loaded and one out, then Albert Pujols ground into a double play. And he is the double play king, so that would be the biggest concern that you have hitting him in an RBI spot is he's always always a possibility to ground into a double play where Mike Trout probably not going to ground into a double play. So that's, that's the one cause for concern with that thinking is, yes, you could put more guys in RBI spots for Pujols. Yes, he could get more RBIs but he also could run you out of some innings a lot more than Mike Trout would. 1985 thinking, though. Start hitting and running. Hit and run as much as you can if that's going to be the case, right? Just I, let him hit and run. Mike Trout, let him let – you know, if you're going to trust we're, – we're saying trust Albert Pujols and trust these guys to make contact. Let him hit, you know. Start the running game again, too. I hope that that's what we see. If we're, if we're talking about this, start getting back to the 1985 type of way, start hitting and running. Start stealing bases again. I wouldn't say bunt as much. I think there's a time and place to bunt, but I definitely think that, you know, you got to get the runners going. And I think that starts at the top. And I, I'm i fine with Trout in the two-hole. I think that putting him in the three-hole takes away way too many plate appearances for him. I think that, you know, most of the time, think I mean, think about it this way too. Most of the time he's going to come up in the first inning with two outs and nobody on base, and you can do what you want with him. You, you, you really could. I mean, you could walk him to get to Rendon. You could – pitch around him, you can throw, you know, some some of those sliders away, you can throw up, I, I mean, just my thinking on it, I would rather have Trout come up with, in the first inning, most times out of naught, with less than two outs, and hopefully, hopefully a runner on base, you know, I mean, but most of the time, he's probably going to come up in the first inning with uh, an, o, you know, no, or with two outs and nobody on base. Yeah, and Joe even brought that point up when when they asked him about it. And he said, uh, everyone only thinks about the first inning when, when thinking about, like, 
where they're hitting in the order. But you said more times than not, you'll see RBI opportunities for the guy hitting three um, throughout the game than you will from the guy hitting two. So I don't know. I, I know Joe really looks at the analytics and really tries to think outside the box. So we'll see how this thing goes early. Um, he he can always change his mind. Yep. I'm I'm with that. I mean, I don't – like I said, I don't think there's a wrong spot as long as you're not putting Trout four through nine. I, ha- I have no problem. I really don't have a huge problem with it. I think that it needs to be one or two. And analytics say in the two hole, I think you can you should just get as many plate appearances as possible with him and put him in the one hole. Why why not? I mean, Trout coming up at the beginning, you know, first your first batter of the game and hitting a bomb, you know, that's how you start off a game. And he, he does that a lot. He, he really, I mean, that's why he's one of the best players in baseball. And you could probably go back and look and, in over the last two seasons, how many home runs do you have in the first inning? Probably what, ten, fifteen. So that's a that's an early lead. Then again, he'd be getting that in the three hole anyways. But I don't know. I think it's just tough as a starting pitcher too to face the best. Like Angels one, two, three is some of the best in baseball, and like st- starting with that right off the gate is that's a tough thing to do. And I think that might open up a lot of opportunities when it comes through when it comes to four through nine. So. I don't know, my thought on that. So, Nate, any final thoughts before we let everybody go? No, just super excited for this week. Uh, finally here. It's been a long time, and we're ready to start Angels baseball. Yes, sir. I am super excited for opening week this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned for all of our other we – we're going to have a prediction podcast. We're going to have a preview podcast for the Chicago White Sox series. We're going to have – preview podcast for every series. I'm going to try to get on somebody close with the White Sox and try to talk a little bit of baseball with them, see what they have going on with other teams, and we'll just kind of see where it goes. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a long season, and I hope the Angels are playing in through in through October this year. I, I really do. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. So guys, thank you as always for listening. It means so much to us. You guys are the best. You guys are the real MVPs, if i got to say it like Kevin Durant did. You can follow us on Twitter, myself at Jared underscore Tims. You can follow Nate at NateGreen34. You can follow us on any of our social medias. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go do it real quick once we're done with this podcast. And guys, as always, thank you and have a great rest of your day. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.